podcast of New Right Network. Mobilizing, countering the left, energizing the right. New Right Network, home of the New Right Movement. Hello, my name is Luke Negron, 2020 Republican nominee to Congress, NRN Plus contributor and political commentator. And today I am here to welcome you to the Right Now on New Right Network. Today I am here with Michael Johns for an Ask Me Anything interview. During the AMA, we take live questions from viewers in our Discord server at the following URL, www.bit dot ly forward slash new right discord once again that is www.bit.ly forward slash new right discord michael johns is a national co-founder and leader of the u.s tea party movement he has served previously as a white house speech writer to president george h w bush and a senior aide to the republican governor and u.s senator to a Republican governor and U.S. Senator. He has 20 years of experience as a healthcare industry manager and executive, including with Eli Lilly. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, Michael, and then we'll get into some questions from the people that have been submitted via Discord right here. You know, when I go to tell that story, I always sort of start at the beginning, which I guess is a logical place to start because um, I don't think I'm unusual in the sense that my perspectives and my passion uh, for the country and for our movement were formed very early in my life. I mean, I grew up in the Lehigh Valley area of Pennsylvania. I watched Bethlehem Steel close down and the, uh, a lot of other major manufacturers um, in the Lehigh Valley region uh, of Pennsylvania. And if you were here in that area, uh during that time frame it was you just had the sense that something really terribly bad was happening and you had that sense because mm. something terribly bad was really happening it was impacting a lot of people's lives and i think it was the first time i really ever seriously thought about you know kind of the broader world beyond you know i'm still a high school student myself and looking at uh sort of the logical question that i had was why you know couldn't, why wouldn't, why wasn't something being done um, as, you know, it related to to that. And, you know, so I, I didn't have any direct family members or any direct uh, impact from it happening, but it hit the region really hard. And obviously a lot of friends, um, it was a sort of place where you went to work and people there and uh, Mack trucks also in that region where people would go and they would take jobs and, and they would be there for, for like 40, 45 years, 50 years. They would hold on right. you know, an entire career there. You must never yes. see that nowadays in this economy. And it provided a certain degree of stability and um, dependability and pride in work and pride in affiliation. It was a good contract, really, between the employer and the employee. And then I went to college in a totally different environment. So I sort of uh, attended the University of Miami in Florida and got down there already with this kind of 
general sense that I wanted to do something in this field and that, um, and, you know, I had this perception that, you know, the things happening in the country were a little troubling to me. And, you know, some of my first friends and best friends then were Cuban Americans. And I, um, you know, listened, I wasn't, it wasn't like I was oblivious to the, oblivious to this, but I listened real carefully to the, you know, the, the, uh, the horrific conditions of of communist Cuba under under Castro. And this this was Cold War era, right? So they Cold were War very era, well yeah. acquainted. Yes, sort of the height of it. I mean, you know, the Reagan years, um, and you know, I uh, I did two internships in Washington D.C. while I was there. One with the National Journalism Center, which is run by Young America's Foundation now. It was it you know I uh, was then run by M. Stanton Evans, who was a syndicated national columnist, and so I had he had an early influence on, on me. Um, and um, I did an internship with my congressman from Pennsylvania, a guy named Don Ritter, who was in Congress for uh, about eight terms, I think, uh, from 79 into the early 90s. And uh, he was an, and is an incredibly bright guy who um, I've stayed in contact with. He um, was one of the few scientists. Uh, then I really dived into it. I was really the, the point person there for it. And by that, I don't mean that I just wrote, you know, in the academic sense. Um, I wrote a book there on Africa, on U.S. Africa statistical handbook, and broad number of papers. But I went out with um, rebel forces in Angola, Cambodia, went back Amazing. down to Nicaragua. Uh, in fact, I wrote biography autobiography for uh, Enrique Bermudez, the head of the Contras before he was assassinated in Managua by the Sandinistas. Zivimbi subsequently obviously was uh, killed as well in Angola by um, MPLA troops with um, uh, Soviet and, um, and um, Cuban support intel. Backing, support. After okay. So you got your, your hands dirty. You you experienced yeah, this. I got dirty and more my so in the quintessential yeah. light color think tank job. And, and you built, you built these of, relationships. I did well look to me, um, this is still an issue in my judgment and tactically about how we go about things. Okay. Um, I've spent a long time learning the issues and learning the tactics of conservatism and of our movement and um, and I, and I, and it's very important. I mean, uh, I want to be able, when I speak to audiences, to be able to convey information and knowledge and leave people better off than they were beforehand. But ultimately, I have to tell you, when I look at the conservative movement right now, and, and a perfect example is what we're going through right now with this election fraud, we have way too many people who uh, are sort of writing the books of America's demise uh, hosting TV shows on America's demise, um, running around giving speeches at universities for huge uh, honorarium uh, on America's demise. And then in turn, the masses of the movement turn to these people and actually look at them as, the, as leaders in our movement. They're not leaders in our movement. They don't consider themselves leaders in our movement. And when the rubber hits the road and all of these battles that we confront, they're really not the people that you would logically turn to. Our movement, if wow. it's going to be successful, has to be action-oriented. 
we have to be engaged. I mean, I look at this situation a little differently right now than maybe some conservatives do because I'm way beyond the fact of recognizing that there are forces of evil in the world. I mean, I knew that, you know, long time ago. Long right? time you saw it firsthand. Yeah. So the, yes. the idea that there would be some foreign or domestic entity or criminal yes. conspiracy to actually, you know, rig an election is not anything that is perplexing to me. Yes. So I have to say, I would be, I'm, I'm surprised we're living through it. Uh, but seriously, isn't the real question, where were, where were we? So we're looking at this dominion system, all right? Things I've been able to learn about it already. $400 million of Chinese Communist Party into the whole money into the holding company of dominion. This system notoriously known throughout the world for its vulnerability to cyber hacking and voter manipulation. I've, I've been sort of asking for people to share with me an example of any election where these systems have been used without those controversies. I've yet to find one. I mean, literally, that was its brand identity. And, and a, a quick a quick note here is this was bipartisan until about two years ago, right? Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar are on the record saying that Dominion voting machines are a threat to the integrity of elections. So for any listeners who, who really need to have that in their holster when they hear this is a conspiracy, it's right wing, it's not right wing. Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar acknowledged this years ago that Dominion was a problem. And they honestly couldn't find out who owned, owned the company. I mean, ponder yes. that for a second. I mean, we know now that it's a Toronto-based Canada company, but at the time they were wrestling with trying to find out, okay, we have these vulnerabilities in the system. We think it's been manipulated and they understand, Amazing. understandably want to, want to know who owns them. So good for them for bringing that issue up. I wish there'd been a little more follow through. And I guess I'm saying where was, you know, let me get real specific about it. the Republican National Committee. Yes. And, yes. and the NRCC and NRSC, the two the House and Senate equivalents, took in $1.4 billion in the uh, 2020 election cycle. That's in addition to the, you know, slightly less than a billion that the Trump campaign took in. That's an extraordinary sum of money. Um, it doesn't appear to me that there was even a minimal effort exerted to make sure that these elections were secure. So all this effort that's put, that we all put, into it of identifying candidates recruiting them convincing them to run developing our messaging developing advertising um trying to point out the differences between us and the and the left and why we think we have a better vision all the tv ads all the speeches all the traveling all the endorsements all the mechanics of american politics and here we have some still unknown body of people but it is yes. me a criminal conspiracy in the classic sense, meaning this was not one person in an isolated case. Right. Nothing compared to Bush Gore in 2020. This is multiple states, identical tactics utilized um, and uh, and possible foreign involvement. I would say probable foreign involvement at this point, if you wanted to push me. So, it, now, so the question is like, where's the, so this is the issue for the movement, all right? Mm. Where's the accountability, right? Yes, so, yes. So, so meaning this is a core functional responsibility of uh, the Republican National Committee. And um, 
I have had only, I have had a lot of concerns about the direction of this party on a national level for a long, long time. Uh, and one of the things that was appealing about Trump early on is he pretty much shared a lot of those concerns, even though he ended up kind of yielding to a lot of their guidance and judgment. I think there has to be accountability. I think, and I think every individual who is involved in selecting these systems now needs to be part of a broad national um, criminal investigation into this. Uh, I think the uh, I'm sort of operating on an assumption of an educated um, audience that I'm sure you have here. But of course, today we had the the, the recognition of a final the first forensic examination of the Dominion system out in uh, Michigan. Michigan, right? Yeah. And uh, it, it's incredible. I mean, uh, so uh, you have under the um, FCC guidelines, you know, the, the very minimal patient uh, patients, obviously, for error rates, they want 0.0008% error rate at most. That's one in 250,000. Uh, voting errors. Hmm. The error rate identified in this first machine that now has been on the first server that's been allowed to be um, forensically examined was 68.05%. Amazing. Amazing. The conclusion, which ha you have to read the rubric, again, the, everything about the discount, almost everything you're hearing about election fraud from the mainstream media. Discount most of what you're hearing from conservative media because they're not covering it well at all for some reason. Uh, read the affidavits, read even the Texas AG report um, uh, filing with SCOTUS, even though they didn't hear the case. It's a nice summary, uh, doesn't address these issues. And then read this report on this, this forensic examination. This is just the one quote I wrote down. Intenti and intentionally and pur purposefully designed with inherent errors to create systemic fraud and influence election results. This is, is, and these were, these were like really top cybersecurity people, Ivy League educated, highly trained, one of whom had US Intel experience. Um, I believe now you've got what in criminal law you would call probable cause. And uh, I don't know why we're not just seizing every one of these machines. I don't know why we didn't do that even before alerting the world that we had concerns about it. And um, this case of, of voter fraud that manipulated the outcome of this election, in my judgment, is stronger today than it was when it first surfaced. And you sort of feel the, you know, the direction of these things, the trend, how mm -hmm. it's going. Of is, course. Is this an issue that's is this a rising issue or is it a descending yes. issue? And and objectively on the evidence, it's a rising one. It's and rising. Thing, just yes. a final, well, yeah. final thing, not to run on about this, but have you no, this noticed, am I alone in noticing that the enthusiasm and excitement? We just had an election where Biden was declared winner by the media. Of course, they're not empowered to do that, but you understand that do, do you notice how timid they are, how quiet they are, how dejected they seem, how angry, bitter, you know, you just won the presidency or did you? And I think that's the question right now. Amazing. I, so uh, you're saying some more might come out where this, this gets brought into the light. And to be clear, 
that quote you just read is from an official investigation right. in Michigan. Right. This Authorized is not some right wing right. website. This is yeah, no. yeah. They mean, mean they had to go and get um, you, you, they had to get a judge's authorization, uh, which means there had to be probable cause to inspect it. You can't just randomly go and request. Right. You right. had to have standing before the court. You had to have compelling evidence that there was fraud. And then you would have convinced a judge. I don't know the politics of the judge or if he was just one of these rare straight down the uh, road. Uh, hard to find. Hard to find. Who are hard, <laughs> definitely hard to find these days. Um, but to his good credit, he authorized it. Uh, they conducted it. It's released. It's out there. And now in Arizona, as recently as a few hours ago, uh, the legislature there is moving to examine some uh, Dominion systems in Maricopa County. And of course, the biggest question, which gets back to what I'm talking about, is it's not like these these Dominion systems, like when I started to first look into it, in 20 minutes, you could just tell it was filled with scandal and, 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 and all sorts of allegations of fraud around the world. And Smartmatic, which is the other com company that's been targeted here, has a, a past that's unbelievably troubling. I mean, close to Chavez's uh, Venezuela and involved in clearly rigged elections, two of them at least in Venezuela, one in Argentina, one in the Philippines, elsewhere around the world. I mean, this was a, this was a company that was created almost for the purposes of rigging elections yes. and was utilized in our elections. Now, where is our side? That's my question. I mean, we've got that's a lot of money to raise one point four billion. Yeah, it's a lot of money. What's and, it going towards? And we didn't <laughs> we didn't need a whole lot of focus on this. We needed we needed a few people with a little bit of walking around knowledge who were gonna, you know, stay on top of what systems were being acquired. And these systems themselves were hugely expensive. I mean in Georgia alone, I saw it was $104 million that they spent to acquire Dominion systems. All the have where was the investigation that went on behind that, right? I, I think oh, the only one I heard who did their due diligence or anything close to it was Texas, who rejected Dominion on the ground times. that it was multiple not trustworthy multiple times. Now, and, let me dive into some of these questions here from viewers because we got quite a few coming yeah. in. I want I want to run through these now that we've kind of opened the can of worms, the Pandora's box. Stop the steal asks. Um, what is your favorite website or ally and or source of collection for documented election fraud news, please? So they want to know just what you're saying. Where can we go to see some of this stuff, to read these affidavits in a collected format? Do you have anything that you can share uh, with the folks at home here? There's a stop to steal uh, wiki that has put together all sorts of documents. And I've spoken with the people running that. It's voluminous and mm. very good. If you're not looking to dive into all of the details of it, Breitbart's coverage has been okay. Um, I, um, it's a very good question. I've been, and, and I should tell you, you know, uh, Johnny Tobacco used to be with Newsmax, and I have acquired uh, StopTheSteal.tv, and we might be trying to build out some content there as this plays out, and because I I think it's going to play out. I don't see this being resolved too quickly. Um, the case is compelling, and it's important to remember there's no statute of limitations on this. I mean, we that's right. That's right. So people are getting disheartened. They're thinking, well, what if 
you know, the electors vote and stuff, we keep investigating. We don't give up. That's the answer, I think. What, would you agree? Is there something else? Because as you said, there's no statute of limitations. Once, once you know, someone's sworn in, that doesn't mean we can no longer investigate fraud, as the Democrats showed us for three years uh, with chasing down the, the Russian uh, uh, collusion ghost. The other, the other answer to the question, Rudy Giuliani's podcast is very good. Excellent, um, excellent. And... Um, Believe it or not, I don't really know Steve Bannon well, and you know, which is surprising when you're in this. Is I mean, I never even heard of Steve Bannon before four or five years ago. I've been doing this 30 years, and there's a reason he wasn't really involved politically before four or five years ago. But I have really come to appreciate a War Room, um, his podcast, yes. and National Pulse, which is a new uh, conservative website they seem to have some really exceptional coverage it's it's kind of a deficiency for some i mean here we are literally debating you know the possible corruption of representative democracy that's existed for 230 years and and uh we're struggling to find um you know media outlets that are that are covering it with any seriousness it's it's really phenomenal to me how how the media treated this how unseriously and disparagingly, I mean, just yes. adjectives thrown yeah. before all of it and misrepresent, re, misrepresenting facts. When they, and they're still saying no evidence. There's nothing yeah. but evidence. Every <laughs> an affidavit is evidence. That's why we created yeah. affidavits. And there's right. now eyewitnesses are evidence. There's a reason there's a we use them in court. Now. Yes. Yeah. Now a, a follow-up question to that because it sounds like you're, you're a critic as am i uh, of the media and of i think the old school republican establishment now um uh let's see ryan also says it looks like in a follow-up question here we in the maga community have no desire to support rhinos that's republicans in name only of course um that do not represent us and have betrayed us in every way what does the future of the GOP look like with this in mind? So you're saying the GOP hasn't tried hard enough. They haven't spent the money wisely in investigating these things. What does the future look like and what advice would you have well, for and, a future? And, you know, and, and they're just, they're not ideological people. I mean, it's really um, an organization of professional consultants uh, with lots of money involved. I have been surprised in many a trip to DC, like I can recall after in 12 when Romney lost, obviously a lot of concerns about Romney now, but you know, I voted for him and the idea yeah. of four more years of Obama was, was, it was a bummer. And I think I was down there literally the weekend after that Tuesday election, nobody seemed too bothered by it. That was an awakening moment to me when I started to realize the disconnect that existed between Washington and DC and the grassroots conservatives, because you know, one of the things in helping launch the Tea Party movement in 09 is I've traveled everywhere, gotten around, you know, especially through the, there's no way that you can get around this country and not start to see the common themes of of fear and concern. Uh, and they all, and they relate a lot to the messaging that Trump brought to 16, which in my view is partly why he won. I mean, immigration is a big problem. The American people properly don't understand why we're bringing in more immigrants when we have people unemployed. Uh, they don't understand why the southern border still to this day is not secured, completely secured like most countries have. They don't understand the the completely unbalanced illogical trade relationships we have with 
many um, industrialized countries and major trading partners of the world. The Trump's made some good progress on that. And, um, and they don't understand why we're not confronting China as the foe that they're yes. overtly yes. defining themselves to be. And they see in Washington, D.C., a bunch of individuals who really don't seem to be acting with any urgency on much of anything, hugely politicized, two-party system. Business as usual, kind of normal well, worse, stuff. Worse, I would yeah. say, because, you know, yeah. I, if you look at the three elected officials I worked for, which will give me some credibility on rhinos. I mean, I, I was, a, my conservative credentials were well established before this, so I didn't, I'm not terribly worried about that. But, you know, I worked in a period when the idea of, of bipartisan consensus on issues made sense. Like what other alternative was there in that political sure. time period? But functionally, it was largely unsuccessful and particularly unsuccessful for conservatives where, you know, when I look at Bush 41, who I work for, I mean, the deal he made on the no new taxes pledge was designed to extract significant cuts in spending, wasteful spending. And um, we um, we got the tax increases right away. Spending never came. I think back on that Simpson-Mazzoli Act in the uh, 80s, I think it was, where we were supposed to grant amnesty in exchange for the border wall. We gave away the amnesty. The board we got the amnesty, but not the wall. <laughs> here. Literally 2020, we're still talking about the need for a border wall. Yeah, uh, and and there's case after case after case of this. Yeah, uh, we've and this is where hopefully I think Trump. I hope Trump's still going to be have a chance of another four years. I'm optimistic. I'm encouraging people to be optimistic. I've reviewed the evidence, but the this is why we needed him. Um, the American people are tired of a party that's going to just lose gracefully and throw in the towel. And um, yes. I keep, whenever I hear someone say, you know, I really like John McCain and Mitt Romney, but I can't stand this Trump guy. I'd always drill down a little further and say, well, who'd you vote for in 08 and 12? And it was never, <laughs> it was never McCain and Romney. Interesting. Have you, Interesting. Ever, have you ever noticed? And I started to think about this. I said, you know, well, if I were a real partisan Democrat, yeah. Republicans who, you know, lose gracefully and went away would kind of be of liking to me too. <laughs> yes, they get patted on the head. Thanks for yeah. playing. As long as they you congratulate don't congratulate the other guy, part, right? Yeah, yeah. Now we have okay. So Rose yeah. and April, uh, April, excuse me, uh, are two separate individuals who both are asking about the idea of starting a new party. So let me read both of these questions because they're very related to you to each other here. Rose asks, is there a chance of forming a new major party? April asks, since there is a highly sufficient amount of proof for fraud in this election, can we sue for damages and use the money to start a new party? Um, so it seems like both of the, the, the thrust of what they're saying is, is the GOP too, too far gone? And should, should we start something new? You seem to have experience in starting something new with the Tea Party. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, this is uh, this is a question that came up real fast, and I've long had views on, and that is that um, I've been a Republican since the age of eighteen. Um, I've never not voted for a Republican. This is the between taking back the Republican Party, making it what what we want it to be, and starting a third party, which would likely pull votes away from the Republican Party, strengthening the Democrat Party, yes. and 
the, the easier of those two options far and away is taking back the Republican Party. So my, and I understand the frustration, trust me, I'm right with you. I mean, you just heard that. My, my first message is how absolutely disappointed I am in, and I'm gonna say her name, Ronna McDaniel. Uh, I know the president said he supports her for another term. I don't know why. She lost the 18 off your election, which paralyzed the administration legislatively. She clearly was not on top of this voter fraud. And she clearly, um, you know, wasn't generally successful in this presidential race if we end up losing it. Uh, I don't think she's a great communicator. I don't think she's all that educated on policy. I don't understand the basis for it. But I felt the same way about Priebus. I mean, I, the, the, when Trump appointed him chief of staff, my jaw dropped. Uh, <laughs> that was exactly the sort of people who are the tacticians, not people focused on the actual issues that I knew we were trying to replace and and to get things done. And sure enough, two years after him as chief of staff, we have $1 dedicated to the wall. We're still funding Planned Parenthood to the tune of half a billion dollars. And you can go through a whole list of other things. And that was two years of controlling the House and the Senate yes. that yes. You know, in my judgment were you know like really wasted and not wasted because the president didn't have the desire to do it wasted because I, he was not really given i think the guidance support and and you know i don't know ultimately he's got to take responsibility i guess for the staff and it's been the biggest disappointment in this administration it's been a huge disappointment and it's been a core of a lot of the difficulties that he's encountered so no no third party um we let's take back the republican party you can do it on a local basis you can do it on a state basis we can do it on a national basis uh, we want people who are good and effective in campaigns we want we want the republican party to be the conservative party of the of the country and i'm hoping that it will continue to be heavily influenced by the good ideas that trump's brought to the party um since his uh candidacy launched in 2015. Excellent. Now, to circle back around to some of the evidence we were talking about, Vic asks, there has been news that the FBI has taken possession of data, drives, equipment, etc. that was used to commit this election fraud. It seems from their past actions, they will only hide the info rather than use it to support the lawsuits fighting against the fraud. If so, how do we combat the fraud and win? So it seems like what Vic is saying is, we've lost faith a lot in the FBI. I, I've heard this many times. Uh, we, we hear rumors that they are perhaps controlling some of the narrative, some of the evidence. If Is that true? If so, how do we combat this? Uh, do you have any insight to any light to shed on this situation? Well, there was, I looked in heavily into the, there was the, the report that, that there had been a seizure of Dominion um, systems and servers in Frankfurt, Germany. And I not only was I unable to confirm that, I think I concluded that that didn't happen. Um, and I, you know, I kind of identified the origin of it. It wasn't solid. You know, and this is one of the things when you go through uh, something this sensitive, there's nothing that op opponents, media, et cetera, want more than for us to get de even details wrong because it's very easy then to just say oh those guys are just make things look the, the the evidence the affidavits it's all yes. very supportive of widespread fraud 
don't get beyond the evidence, don't get into speculation. Yes, the Department of Justice in totality has been a complete disappointment and Trump's obvious inability to get a hold of it all the way back to Sessions' recusal has been the source of many problems. I mean, it clearly perpetuated the absolutely, um, you know, politicized and unwarranted Russia investigation. There hasn't been the follow-up on Obamagate. This uh, Durham report is like becoming a euphemism for procrastination. Uh, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, where's your, yeah. home, where's your homework? I Durham reported it. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. No, I mean, it's really, really, what a disservice. And then the Hunter Biden issue, and, and it's not even just Hunter, it's the whole Biden family, including the brother. But, you know, to, to learn, as we did, that Barr knew about all that information, and he thought he, he didn't want to politicize it by making that information known. No, the, the, you politicized it by concealing it. That information revealed you know, what now appear to be hundreds of millions of dollars from and including close coordination with China's Communist Party, with the Russian yes. oligarchs close to uh, Putin. On what basis would you not, you know, make the that information more widely available? And obviously the media censorship of that outrageous. And now, of course, it's been completely validated by, by a dual Senate committee report, right? And um, and Biden and and Hunter Biden himself is is under an investigation now by DOJ. And trust me, that's not a tax uh, investigation. Tax is like <laughs> that's where they start, and then it goes deeper than that. Yes, um, yes. But are they taking it seriously? I don't know. And and obviously, if Biden is sworn in on the twentieth, I'm not terribly optimistic. I also d didn't like. Further, the um, appointment of Durham as special counsel without announcing it, right? So we we find out after the election that they'd appointed a special counsel, um, that they'd put Durham in the special counsel role. Well, that sort of tells American voters, hey, there's real substance to this Obamagate issue, and and to the way they pursued. They should have used it. They should have put it out there. Let let the story build. Is, is that the, the so point? If you made a when you make you make the if you're making a decision. Uh, which I believe was made like in October to uh, put him in in the special counsel role. It's a sign that the evidence of wrongdoing in the um, in the handling and the launching, every part of it really, uh, including literally manipulating documents for the purposes of FISA warrants to spot spy on Carter Page, all of that. Um, you would, you would inform the American people that you were appointing them as a special counsel. Why would you keep that information from the American people for the election? That too is a politicized um, development. And here's the one that just gets me where I have said, I think if I were president, I just would have fired Barr on the spot. And by the way, I worked with Barr, all right? I was in the same administration as Barr. I staffed speeches through him. He's reasonable. Mm -hmm. Uh, credible, professional. This was my impression of him back then versus my impression now. <laughs> okay. Back then I found him to be highly competent, reliable, hardworking, you know, straight down the middle, not, not politicized. Um, I, I don't even recall there being any issues with politicization of, of DOJ back then. Different but, world. 
But for us to be four over four weeks after this election, and we, at that point we had hundreds of sworn affidavits on just about every conceivable uh, type of voter fraud you could imagine. Poll watchers denied access. Literally police departments in these um, Democrat machine cities complicit in denying them their legal right to access. Yes. Right. I mean, that's why they picked Philadelphia. That's why they picked Pittsburgh. That's why they picked Atlanta. It's a safe that's place to do the deed. Uh, yeah, safe the, zone. That, that's why when I described it as a criminal conspiracy, you mean you you they didn't. They, where did they choose to deny the poll watchers? It was in the battleground states, and it was in the Democrat machine cities there. So Milwaukee, yeah. Detroit, Detroit, Atlanta, Philly, Philly is Philly. The, the capital of uh, corruption in, in Western civilizations politically. <laughs> I believe there. I can tell you that they got rid of their traffic <laughs> department. It was so corrupt they couldn't even function. That there's a judge in jail for election rigging, which is why it was also troubling. I thought last fall when we started to hear the warnings that um, there, there's never really been any history of voter fraud in the United States. There's been old books written on it, people incarcerated over it. Uh, and there, oh, and the best was there won't be any in this election. Like they had some sort of, you know, uh, forward looking <laughs> magic. Yeah. 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 And, that, and now we're, now we're dealing with, you know, just every conceivable part of it. But the broader point is, to four weeks for him to go into the Oval Office bar and to basically say, you know, we haven't really gotten around to interviewing many of these people. You know, uh, at that point, hundreds, now it's over a thousand of whistleblowers who, by the way, are people who are, when they're signing a federal affidavit for court use, are, are you know, facing downside of five years of, of mandatory minimum incarceration if they're misrepresenting. Uh, those facts. Yes. So you yes. kind of got to think they're probably telling you the truth. The stories all line up. They don't contradict themselves. Now, what do you I, think I, brought I about that, this? Where's the urgency on that? Like to me, if you're right, the right. Department, you're talking about the rigging of a presidential election. You're talking about, about hundred, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of people who've come forward and they hadn't even gotten going and trying to look at it. Um, it seems like there was a switch then in, in the, in the, um, the intentions of, of Bill Barr and those under his direct control, uh, where yeah. do you think that happened? And do you have, would you even venture a guess as to why? Yeah, just a guess. I, I think I think actually beneath Barr gets even more political, more anti-Trump. Um, and I think if you, you know, you kind of, there's sort of a tension at this point in administration where you're, you know, facing, you know, for weeks literally left in it where, if they're saying that we're just not going to go pursue that, uh, you know, and if you make me do it, I'm going to quit and make a big deal out of it. Um, it becomes politically sensitive, which gets back mm -hmm. to the staffing issue. This has been the problem since day one is that this administration has been filled with, it's been a great, we've had the great, we've been exactly the right president for this moment in time. Who's been, whose staffing has been people who, largely disagreed, resisted, opposed his agenda, undermined him. This became glaringly clear to me when I was reading the Maggie Haberman pieces during Trump's hospitalization on COVID. And they had yeah. White House staffers who literally were giving anonymous quotes disparaging 
the president while he's in the hospital with COVID. Somebody yeah. made a somebody made a decision to hire these people to advance the Trump agenda. Anonymous was hired. Okay, he didn't just land there. Someone said, "Yeah, this guy will be good for our administration," and he sat yeah. at the right hand of the Secretary of Homeland Security and undermined the uh, some of the most crucial issues this administration, including, I'm sure, the border wall and, yeah. and immigration reform, which are still a complete mess, and. You know, literally, you got. I go as far as to say the Ukrainian um, impeachment based on nothing, right? I mean, right. He didn't make any. They didn't extract any promises on that head of state call. No investigation was ever launched, um, and the aid was released. What else? I mean, <laughs> case closed, right? I mean, yes. So, so it was like every part of that. In all of the inflammatory rhetoric from Democrats, none of those things entirely happened. empty, entirely pointless. But it was a story. It was something right. they and ran. You with. Could have argued, especially knowing what we know now, that actually to have not at least brushed up against the topic would have been the more irresponsible of the two options. Obviously, Hunter Biden, um, mm. a, you know, a drug addict discharged from the military, no experience in energy no experience in ukraine probably couldn't tell you the capital of ukraine before he was on the charisma <laughs> board gets put onto the largest energy board which by the way has gone through a major corruption investigation um these were all person in my when you look at the people who really launched that within the the nsc those were people who kind of, and I've seen this up front, these people get so close to an issue that they almost get offended when somebody, the president of the United States gets involved. So, you know, when you really heard them testify, yeah. all of those guys, Vindman, remember all those names? Yes. When you listen to them testify and you and you tried, and, and you listen real attentively going, what did Trump do wrong, right? Mm -hmm. God, he's like launching an impeachment. What he did wrong was he, it, like in their eyes, he had no business involving himself as president it was their project and they wanted him exactly they wanted and the independence which is all the reason those people should have been cleared out like day one yes yes and, and by the way and this feeds into clear a lot of these people out i realized he does biden can he does. turn around he's gonna hire a bunch of yeah, the people yeah. he's looking at already are very troubling uh but they are you know this idea like uh which I didn't share for four years because I didn't. I, in my judgment, it's like, firstly, in a media sense, it's none of their business, really. Yeah. And uh, and second, I understand it's complicated and difficult, and it's not. I'm not really blaming it, but you know, this idea of like criticizing, like say Barr with you know the with five exclamation points. When you're at that point, you got to fire him. And I'll tell you the yes. same thing with Sidney yes. Powell. I mean. She comes out and she made that allegation of U.S. In, in, intel involvement in the rigging of this election. Wow, that's an astonishing uh, allegation. Okay, and uh, now you've got a, an intel service that we take very seriously, an attorney to the president who herself has a very credible background. Somebody's right and somebody's wrong. To just sort of allow that to play out seemed to me. You're saying so, someone's got to be cut here. Somebody Someone's got to be that fired. Point. Somebody, yes, yes. I mean, right. I mean, if Sidney Powell was right, you, you, 
heads roll in, in Intel. And, and, you know, if, of course, there's ramifications for doing that. Of course, there's an argument sure. not to do that. These guys are always involved, as anyone is involved, in sensitive, difficult projects that are going to be disruptive. But hold on a second. Think about the allegation. That they, that they were actually involved in criminal misdeeds? No. It's huge. It's huge. It's, it's difficult for me to even to, to grasp. But, you know, and then simultaneously, like, if if, if that's not the case, you kind of have a, um, you're, you kind of have an attorney who's uh, lost, lost the front wheel or two. And sure. uh, I, um, but we're sort of seeing, I think, I, I, I'm seeing emerging evidence that this technology is flawed. And uh, my greatest fear is that we're going to have enough evidence that those people who paid attention are going to know it was flawed, feel it was flawed, are going to feel this election was affected by it, and not enough enforcement to be able to alter the outcome. And that is, such, that is a combustible situation because that's yes. the way people lose confidence in the system. Because then you have voters and citizens who have no faith in the system. They feel cheated, rightfully so. Uh, now, and this all feeds into the idea that uh, the swamp is so deep and so full of the swamp creatures who are there permanently that even when someone like Trump comes in, you always have more to uncover. You always have more people to fire to make true progress. In that vein of thought, we've got time for one more question. And a few people have written in some questions that are similar to one another. So one person says, what are Trump's next steps? Other people are asking, how do we take back the Republican Party? And how do we find those people and prop up the people who are true conservatives? Because I'm seeing a lot of people saying, the faith in the Republicans who claim to be one thing and turn out to be another has been lost. So we've well, lost a lot of faith in these people. So next steps for Trump and next steps for us taking back the party. I think this is a great place to end in, in kind of forward looking yeah. from, from your perspective. Trump needs singular focuses. And I think he has singular focus right now in addressing the election fraud issues, you know. And so um, now if he's not able to resolve this, there's several different ways to resolve it through the courts is one through the, um, you, you know, you're aware of the the, congr the congressional option, that's an option that hasn't received a lot of attention, but that's an option. Um, and, um, you know, I like the idea of, of representing the, the SCOTUS case. Um, I think they're gonna probably kick it back to respective circuits because there's two, these facts need to be established. Yeah. Um, so, and, and this Dominion thing, it, you've got to get, the, if, if DOJ is worth anything, is, you need somebody of absolute integrity, seriousness, and technical capability who hopefully looked at voter fraud issues who, who dives into this thing, because who else is going to do it? Otherwise, you're going to do it that we did in this Michigan thing where we find individuals with standing who bring individual cases and then go hire cybersecurity people. And of course, those on the, the left are going to question the, the findings. So that's Trump's focus. And then post-January 20, uh, he's either going to have four more years or in the worst case scenario, I am hopeful he's going to stay very active politically because I think he's been an enormously constructive force for the party and the country. And I think he's learned a lot. Uh, so I think he's going to be even more effective. As far as the party goes, look, I mean, the Tea Party movement, I don't want to take anything away from Trump, but you know, Trump's unknown to a lot of people spoke at Tea Party rally in 2011, 
Boca Raton, Florida, got in his car afterward and said, wow, that's something. He realized the passion and the energy and the right ideas as well exist on the grassroots. And the Tea Party movement, look, Barack Obama had eight years. It's true. He got reelected. That's true. But when we took the House back in 2010, we blocked him completely. When we took the Senate then in 14, he was left with next to nothing. Uh, there is no Barack Obama legacy, um, <laughs> which is part of his bitterness and part of the way he's justified his behavior. Uh, the Tea Party won 1,000 races straight up against him. That's known. Here's what's less known, I guess, is that we took out major figures in the Republican Party. If you know, if you recall, Eric Cantor in Virginia, you know, leadership, millions upon millions of dollars for his race, gone. Mike Castle in Delaware, gone. Mm -hmm. So this idea that these people are just sort of inevitably there forever is untrue. If they're not representing the agenda and they're not working and they're not resonating with the, their constituents, then they've got to be primaried. Then, uh, then I'll also say, I've, like I worked for a very liberal uh, or moderate Republican from Maine, and people will constantly complain that she was a sellout. She was at one point the most popular U.S. senator of any Republican in the Senate. And I would always say the problem isn't her; the problem is Maine. So, like, if you want, so sometimes it's not. Sometimes that political figure is a manifestation of the political instincts of that climate the yes and yes. this is a great opportunity now for us to get into urban communities and to get into uh some of these northeast states and areas where we haven't fared particularly well even california don't give up yes. on california i mean we and sell and ask these people and do a lot of listing how's it going you know you've had you've had a you go into baltimore you've had uh or philly You've had these mayors and these Democrat councils for 50, 60 years now. Poverty's worse. Schools are worse. Drugs are worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the public infrastructure is worse. The, the crime rates are worse. Nothing's improved on their watch. Welfare dependency is worse. By no metric have they succeed. And there's a lot of anger. But you, know, you can channel that anger into more constructive directions. And, but you got to start with the listening. You know what I mean? Like you can't go yes. in and, and start reading uh, Hayek and, and explain <laughs> this is the way you're going to restructure the cities. It's got to be done. Um, it's got to be a reciprocal way. And by the way, that's my final point. That's how this movement has to work too. Um, we need to stop following TV hosts, authors, and, and lecturers. These are not our leaders. They're not going to fight your battles. They're not going to they're not going to get wow. a deeper cut wow. from this cause. Yes. Okay. They're going to write bestsellers on downfall of this country. We need obviously what we just went through in this election cycle showed that on on the on the granular level, on the ground level, we did not have the leadership that we needed, or these issues would never have occurred, or we would have minimized them at least. That's the leadership. Leadership is it comes from the grassroots. It cannot come from Washington. What goes on in Washington should represent what's going on in the grassroots, and we should, in, in, in fact, make sure that's, that occurs. I'm astonished with how many of these D.C. groups that I think very highly of that have fought the most minuscule battles over constitutional issues because of the symbolism involved 
And now yeah. in what is clearly one of the greatest threats to our constitution, a, mm. a literally Hands off. corrupted, a, corru a demonstrably corrupted presidential election to have institutions that have been well-funded and have plenty of resources to be doing a lot of helpful things, as quiet as they are, is baffling to me. And even if you don't think Trump got over 270, you know the frauds out there. Why are we yes. not addressing it? Yes. You know, it has to be done. Amazing. Amazing. So there you go, guys. Stay involved. Find the people who you know on a local level. Don't be afraid to primary Republicans who are incumbents, especially if they're people who you're not pleased with. And I love what you said about sometimes it's a reflection on us and that doesn't make us comfortable, but we have to realize, hey, if, if the only person who's winning here is a centrist Republican, perhaps that's a problem with the population who decides that only a centrist Republican can win. And so these are things that put weight and pressure, but also leadership and opportunity back onto the people. So Michael, and where can an everyone- It takes an army, you know what I mean? It does, so that's when right. We, when we fall short, it's it's like we have this instinct that we're gonna go out individually and solve the whole thing. And I'm telling you, it's too big for that. You know, you yes. need a lot of people with a lot of different skill sets. We all gotta be united, no in, no infighting. If, if, it, if, it, if something's so bad that it requires infighting, then it should be, you know, a complete parting of ways. But we mm. have a lot of people of goodwill. Look, the Tea Party movement grew to 40 million people who were actively involved. And let me just be, uh, I don't think I'm disparaging anyone when I say that our founding and national leadership was C plus material, okay? It was a supply and demand phenomenon. We did create something that needed to be created and a venue to do it. But then, you know, frankly, this leadership fell into some of the same problems I'm describing. Or it yes. would be, uh, you know, billions of dollars. Let me just put it this way. Billions of dollars have gone into D.C. organizations because these issues on the Tea Party level cannot be properly resolved. But the Tea Party still lives on. The MAGA movement lives on. And um, our cause is a righteous one and a good one. And we need to communicate it, work together, build coalitions, and be relentless and bold and happy warriors on top of it. I love it. And speaking of communicating, Michael, where can people find you if they're looking for you on the internet, uh, Twitter, uh, website, Facebook, uh, give us some, some forms of contact here. Yeah, on Twitter, um, my name, one word, Michael Johns. And um, on Facebook, Michael Johns Tea Party is my page. And on YouTube, Michael Johns. And on Parlor, Michael Johns. Excellent. And I know there's 10 or 20 other conservative social media sites, but I only have so much time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fine. I think those are good places to start. And you can find New Right News and New Right News Plus at www.newrightnetwork.com and become a premium subscriber at www dot nrn plus that's nrnplus.com follow nrn on twitter and on all other social media at new right network thank you guys so much for for tuning in here for joining us uh, for submitting the questions michael thank you for for this but also for what you've done in the past i, I mean 
this is revolutionary. Uh, I was a, a teenager when, when I was part of the movement that you founded in the Tea Party movement, and uh, it changed my life. And uh, I do think we, we saved a lot of that Obama legacy oh, yeah. uh, by what the Tea Party accomplished. So uh, we were able to block that, that dark legacy there. So thank you. Thank you so much. You bet, Luke. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. You bet. All right, everybody. You've been listening to New Right Network, mobilizing, countering, energizing. Online at newrightnetwork.com.